0: Heidi ho ladies and gents and welcome to the agent carter radio program by fantastic geek we are the official unofficial voice of the marvel cinematic community my name is matt and joining me each week has been one real ace pete what's buzzing cousin hail hydra
1: oh excuse me I, I didn't mean to say that out loud matt tonight episode 108 The season one finale of Agent Carter, titled Valediction, is brought to us by the good people at Midnight Oil. When you need to stay awake to fight the war and the beds are burning, who can you turn to? Midnight Oil. It'll keep you up and it'll keep you ripping.
0: Well, that's all well and good, Pete, but I've heard that's a company that's just... They're so difficult to deal with, they can just make you mad. But Pete, let me calm down. Before we get rolling here, let me just address the audience out there in Radio Land. With Agent Carter drawing to a close, at least... Season 1-wise, we hope that all of you will continue to join us on the Marvelous Marvel Parade that's ahead. Do search iTunes for Fantastic Geek, that's fantastic with a PH, where you'll find the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast and the Daredevil podcast. Want it all in one handy bunch? Sign up for the Fantastic Geek Pop Culture Podcast, where you get all our Marvel episodes and bonus treats as well. With that, let's return to that siren of the SSR, that elegant Englishwoman, Peggy Carter. In this segment, we run down the top stories of the episode and give you the latest and the greatest need to know. Pete, where do we begin?
1: On the air, Matt, we get our little um, Agent, uh, Agent Carter, excuse me, our uh, Captain America radio program there, um, where they're running down the situation between Steve and his girl, Betty, Gar- uh, Betty Carver, and, uh, you know... This is not the last time that she'll have her face wet with loving tears and static.
0: I thought that it certainly was a fitting introduction, not just for our radio purposes, but just an opportunity since we are going to be ending up with kind of the the Steve and Peggy romance in absentia. Kind of this was a return to it in a very um, passive way that wasn't, you know, clips from the first movie or, or that sort of thing, uh, kind of wasn't forced. It was very, uh, in the, in the time and in the day where they're at, not kind of, you know, as I said, referring back to, uh, to the first cap movie.
1: It's effective in that it mirrors both what we had before and what is to come and serves as the bridge between the two of them. But we'll talk about bridges a little later on, Matt.
0: Absolutely. Pete, with that, we go from the radio program to the theater.
1: Heads bashed, eyes gouged. It was like there was a monster in there, Matt. We see bodies with bites. We see clumps of hair. Everybody in there killed one another. I guess you G-men see stuff like this all the time.
0: And indeed they don't it's noted Pete that there's 47 dead uh that uh that's a star trek number isn't it
1: and my favorite number yes it is
0: well there you go i guess proof Pete that this uh this uh gaseous spray reveals that there's a monster hiding in all of us
1: yes and susa finds the hiding canister of item 17 and uh takes a little bit to the to the face there.
0: We of course have Thompson coming over to help him and Pete as this was unfolding uh the fight between the two of them uh, in my mind it was very clear, ooh, we need somebody who can kind of be a proxy by which our characters learn what we learn, which is, oh, Sousa is such a nice guy. He's gotten this this, you know, exposure to the gas um, and he's going to be our you know, kind of our example guy in terms of, oh, this is how it works, and this is what it does, and an expositional tool, and what happens, Pete? We pick
1: up with uh, the doctor who is given a name in this episode, Johan Finnoff, uh, and Dottie. And the doctor is remarking uh, what an amazing city New York is. Dottie, of course, uh, is a little nonplussed. She says, it's like any other Uh, but we know where her mind is at. She says it's going to be fun to tear it all down. They are pulled over by a police officer, and the doctor tells her he doesn't want added attention here. So, uh, you know, despite missing the, uh, the traffic light before, she explains her grandfather is blind in one eye and talks her way out of it. But, of course, there is a call made over the radio that the police officer hears as he's returning to the vehicle, and Dottie has the drop on him.
0: And it's a nice kind of bit of story there in that, though we do not see the cop shot, um, which I think – We could reasonably assume, oh, she killed him, like if the cop hadn't returned to the story later on, of course. We could reasonably assume, okay, she killed him and they just didn't need to show us every last little thing. But there's that assumption there, of course, setting up um, the fact that he is uh, returning to the story later on. But that's later on, Pete. We're back to Sousa waking up. And uh, as our pal Mike Sorensen said, it's kind of a a slight edge of Fifty Shades of Sousa.
1: Why must everything be compared to that damn book and movie? Um, yeah, because I, I guess we're
0: handcuffed to some of our comparisons, Pete. Yeah, no, we're not.
1: Uh, I'm not tied to any of those comparisons. Thank you very much. Um, with only a cough having uh, been restrained, not receiving enough of the uh, midnight oil mixture, uh, he says it's like he swallowed shrapnel uh, and he explained he wanted to kill Thompson. He wanted to kill everybody. He's sorry. Um, Thompson, meanwhile, explains that the scientists have identified that the chemical induces psychosis and that there are 10 canisters in play enough to fill half the city with rage. So what's the plan? Specifics. And what do you know, Howard comes in, and he is the target.
0: It's a really effective scene there, kind of out in the, the main bullpen of the office. A, as I'm sure our listeners know from last week, and they're probably in the same boat last week, it was not clear the number of canisters. I mean, we had discussed last week, did Dottie just use all of it, and now what does that mean for their plot well that's not logical you know so the fact that there's more out there it's just really making the story points clear we saw what one did to 47 people okay multiply that by 10 take it outside the theater put it in the open air got it the threat is now clear the conflict is now clear for the episode um also fun moment stark wanders on in literally every guy in the office pulls a gun on him um which is kind of, they play straight, but we're all chuckling at home. Then, of course, uh, Stark arrives having somehow mysteriously made it past all those uh, ladies in the the operator area, although maybe it's not quite a mystery. Maybe uh, he would have shown up about mm, eight minutes earlier if he wasn't uh, noodling with all of them, as a couple people suspected on Twitter half uh, tongue-in-cheek.
1: Well, as he explained, uh, the same people that designed the SSR security, designed the security for the White House, it
0: stinks. (laughs) With that, Pete, we get the act break, and we're back to uh, kind of explanation for the episode. Stark is going to be the bait.
1: He is, and that Roger Dooley, Ray Krasminski all the people in the theater are dead. We connect this to the battle of Finow, and that Stark was commissioned by the United States army to create something that would keep their soldiers awake for days at a time. But as we know throughout this story here, his lab has been repeatedly raided by um, agents of the government. This general McGinnis, uh, weaponized this item 17, which we now know caused the problems at the Battle of Finau. We connect the laryngotomy patients in Leet Branis and uh, the other gentleman who was never uh, named on screen, right?
0: I don't believe he was named, No.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think he was wearing a green suit. That's, that's pretty much how uh, we had been referred to him. They had also received, like Sousa, um, you know, modified doses of this. But, uh, you know, Stark is content to be the bait here. Meanwhile, at the airport, Dottie and the doctor roll up and there's an urgent news bulletin. I like the way they shot this. As Dottie is taking care of the guard, uh, we can assume they're at Titoboro Airport, um, the doctor is listening to uh, Stark returning a hero, that uh, he has a new opportunity. There's a uh, press conference in the city, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, while Dottie is uh, taking a guy out. I thought it was uh, nicely intercut there
0: yeah it was it was smart of the of the show to keep the camera inside the car as she gets out to go talk to that uh that that guard we've seen Dottie do her acrobatics a zillion times we frankly need to save another viewing of that for the peggy Dottie showdown later in the episode her acrobatic kicks you know we don't need to see that kind of you know intercut and then hit the guard's reaction and then her pulling back upon we don't need to see any of that to play it in the background while the more important story point occurs which is uh this radio update for fenhoff to hear you know being specifically disseminated to get to, to get fenhoff and uh, and dotty uh to stark um that's the thrust of the story so thus that should be the focus of the camera and of course uh there's there's the great line there i believe to end the act where She comes back and says, you know, basically, okay, ready to proceed. And he says, no, back back to the city. Uh, Things have changed. And she says, since I left the car, (laughs) I got a good chuckle.
1: Meanwhile, um, Stark is getting ready for his moment here. He's trimming his uh, mustache. How's it look? Like a nest of spiders with very short
0: legs. (laughs) i should mention pete that when he first appeared in in the prior act i was kind of saying is his mustache not right did they did they like you know i i kind of doubt dominic cooper grew a mustache to to appear in these episodes so whatever you know kind of prosthetic wig hair whatever the proper word would be the fake mustache you know did that is it not up to snuff but no it was up to snuff in that it needed to look a bit a bit off so that he might uh, trim it and get ready for his big moment as savior of the city.
1: So between Peggy explaining to Howard that he's going to need some SSR standard issue body armor, which he of course calls junk. He wants to know where his stuff is and he is beside himself To bring the theme forward of the raid of his technology, this item's photosensitive, this item should be kept cool, basically, nobody is handling any of his toys, his bad babies, properly, except for this thing right here, that this thing's fine. (laughs)
0: What was nice, though, about that scene, Pete, is it shows the evolution of Howard Stark, at least a glimmer that we'll see uh, more of later in the episode, because this a tad more mature Howard Stark is uh, eager to go out there and use protection. (laughs) With that, Pete, act break, then we're in front of what is supposedly City Hall, although that's not how it actually looks. Um, And since Howard Stark has been on the run and there's all this kind of mystery to him, and it's, you know, 1946, so there's probably something like nine daily newspapers in New York City, you know, about 30 people show up, some of them newspapermen, some of them photographers, some of them just average people, you know, super wanted guy, city hall, press conference, 30 people, not a lot of money in the budget, I guess, for extras or whatever, but, Thompson's speech uh, uh, aided by Stark, certainly a lot of fun. It's kind of appropriately silly and cheesy because, of course, they're in on the fact that it's a bit because the bit is that Stark is the bait. Um, and I and think keeps the show,
1: feeding uh, yeah. Thompson the lines there. You know, Thompson's stalling so that they can draw Dottie and Leviathan out. And, you know, he is a hero – you know, Peggy's there on the walkie. We are humbled and, you know, then just throws it to to Howard because he can't really, uh, you know, expound anymore on top of all the trouble that Stark has put uh, SSR through.
0: Yeah, it's a it, it's a fun scene, of course, uh, quickly punctuated uh, by uh, the shooting that starts pretty quickly. And with that, we think we're off to the races, but uh, there's some twists and turns ahead of us.
1: Yes, despite the fact that Peggy has identified a hotel window, Jarvis immediately puts Howard into a car, which speeds off, and then we see that two officers are uh, shot dead over to the side of the road. No, it's the officer we saw pull Dottie and the doctor over earlier, and he explains that Dr. Finhoff would like to see you.
0: And again, you know, it, it of course is picking up on that thread uh, from earlier. We thought that uh, he would have been shot. But uh, I like that they kind of pulled a fast one on us. Uh, you know, they, the the storytellers, and uh, that this cop is back. And um, with that Pete, Peggy is now across the street. She finds the gun kind of with that mechanism to, to have it auto-fire. Um, and for a split second they're like... It, it seemed like the story stumbled just for the briefest of seconds. It
1: was exposition 101. It was, let's let's say what we've already, you know, understood on our own, the diversion. Um, when we cut back to Stark, he's attempting to bribe the uh, brainwashed officer. He, uh, he tries flipping her, uh, you know, a, a young lady's, a young actress's private number. It's not going to work but uh Thompson and Carter by the next time we see them have uh figured out the next target. Matt, what day is it? It's VE day, which is Victory in Europe Day, May 8th. May 8th. Yes. So they're going to hit Times Square.
0: And you know Pete, I'm kind of as I'm looking at my notes for this act here, the whole act is kind of um speed the story up the exposition e you know i don't know i'm kind of in my head i'm wondering did you have a did you have a 49 page script that you needed to get down to 42 pages you know a page a minute and all that so this is the act where it's kind of in the middle and you go uh, and then peggy explains this and then she gets the radio call that stark has taken and then there's a little really funny bit where stark is trying to get out of there and he's also on his way to finnhoff and then they explain oh my goodness we figured out that it's going to be ve day and something bad is going to happen because there's going to be a crowd like there's kind of a lot of that in this episode in this uh in this act
1: We've remarked all season how unusual the pacing in the middle of these episodes was in terms of the act length act one and two in this episode have to be among the shortest in this entire run. Um, Maybe five minutes each. Um, But what we're left with is that Sousa is at 42nd and ninth and there's no Stark. There is of course that officer now shot in the head. Um, Dottie has Howard and she wants to know if he remembers her. Uh, the gag, of course, is that he cannot remember her name before Dottie puts him to sleep.
0: Quite a good act end if ever I've seen one, one in line with the character. I think two... There's a dignity to Dottie that um, hasn't always been at the forefront um, something that gets addressed in one of her one of her final scenes um, that this is kind of reflecting here where it's despite the fact that she's a psycho killer despite the fact that she's undercover despite the fact that you know she doesn't recognize that she's she's kind of profoundly broken as a person darn it she did really intimate kissy face things with Howard Stark and he should remember her name even if it was one of her fake names um so there's a dignity to her there and uh and we take that to the act break
1: act three begins with the explanation that a guy in a coffee shop has uh seen the doctor Dottie and Stark uh Thompson meanwhile has spoken to all the mucky mucks he can but they refuse to cancel the ve day celebration exposing thousands of people to this potential threat um and jarvis says that uh mr stark still has planes in play there is another vault a larger vault
0: yeah kind of a nice uh nice little bit of uh wordplay. Well not exactly wordplay, but just kind of the notion of the bigger vault is a hangar. I kinda of felt, Pete, that the hangar was to my eyes a little empty looking. I mean there were multiple cars and multiple planes. I don't have that many of those in my hangar. Um so I get it. But I just kinda of felt like I don't know, there's a little less I oh I don't know. There's a little less oomph to it there.
1: Well, I mean, listen, to, to have your own private hangar, that, that's an accomplishment, uh, you know, us 99 percenters can, uh, can hope for one day if we're lucky. This flashback six months earlier, though, when Dottie was laying the groundwork for this plan, uh, you know, she's canoodling with Howard and she wants to go for a ride in an airplane
0: Howard Stark, it appears to me, Pete, and this might be, this might be kind of mind-blowing analysis to some people, but that's why you listen to, uh, to Fantastic Geek. The Howard Stark that we see in Iron Man 2, older, wiser, more Walt Disney-ish, um, he was not always that way. And there was once a time where, um, the way to get into, um, Howard Stark's, um, you know into his mind into his vaults was uh through his trouser pants and um i was kind of shocked to discover that here but seriously pete uh what i thought was interesting um after the flashback concludes is in what has been overall quite well scripted first season we end up with that most traditional of moments the baddie monologue uh, in which fenhoff Really, kind of just just nails it home. He saw the midnight oil gas attack at uh, at Finnau. He had a gas mask on. He was personally affected with an A, nonetheless, because it was his brother who who did these terrible things. He his eyes were ripped out, the flesh on his cheeks bitten, and ever since that, he continues. He's been on the road to revenge ever since. And I kind of felt like it was, on the one hand. The payoff that we want you know we don't want as jeff Loeb annoyingly said two years ago at new York comic-con we don't want six seasons to find out that life is you know that the island is on the back of a turtle we, i don't know that we also need it kind of laid up like you know behold for i have been the bad guy and here is my pathos going all the way back these many years and whatnot but at least it was clear at least there was no mystery
1: I found it a little monologue. Certainly, you know, it exposes motivation. Okay, he had a friend, you know, his eyes were taken out, his his flesh was bitten, all that. It does get the guilt out of Stark and, and really the, the larger purpose here is so he can get Mr. Stark through focus. And um, really send him on this suicide mission of releasing the gas and and crashing into um, VE day.
0: I was a little disappointed that they didn't go the story direction of Stark already having outwitted him somehow. Either kind of prepared his mind, you know, Princess Bride style. I have been slowly mesmerized a little bit each day you know or or earplugs <laughs> or something now to be fair as cool as that would be and stark's the brainiac and whatnot stark also has been on the run and doesn't have the knowledge of of dr fenhoff the way we do so um and also given that you have this pressure within the story of you have to do something with stark to keep him in it um i kind of dug that he quickly was uh was was won over by fenhoff and not for nothing If Howard Stark can be won over by a pair of legs, certainly a guy with this extra human power to 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 get into people's minds is completely, uh, completely understandable.
1: Once we get into the guts of that scene where Finhoff is talking about how this is what Stark deserves, despite his protestation that he's not a bad person and the insistence by Finhoff that, no, you are um that you needed to be to succeed here and that uh that his guilt destroys his focus and this is the way to atone and you know the the flashback to the ice and the snowscape looking for captain rogers and then employing uh Uh, The idea, the Valkyrie sending a signal and Peggy suddenly there with Cap's vibranium shield and everything leading towards him fixing what had happened to Peggy early on and and that remaining residual guilt from losing Steve Rogers a couple years before.
0: I completely agree. This is a show that has embraced... Uh, the ghost of marvel movies past if you will you know if if one of the areas of concern of agents of shield first 10 episodes of season one was that you're both referencing these extraordinary individuals and saying they're not in this show sorry and, and that led to some audience erosion so on and so forth this is a show that nonetheless has embraced that and said I think to their benefit, we can't have Captain America because he's literally not, you know, in play in this time. Um, So to embrace that and to kind of have those echoes of, oh yeah, Stark, Stark, you know, was the one who helped find him. And this is kind of a scene that we knew occurred, even though it's kind of been replicated in in his fake memories here. This originally did kind of happen, the return of the Cap Shield. It was a really nice kind of... Return to where this series star- series started, which was the end of Captain America, and you know that footage reused uh, at the start of the series proper.
1: It all leads to Peggy screaming Howard's name as the plane departs on
0: its mission. Off it goes, and then we head to an act break.
1: Act Four begins just outside a trunk filled with shotguns the question of how long it's going to take Howard to reach New York comes up and Sousa and Thompson both confess they have no way to shoot him down but that leaves Jarvis who has flown a plane
0: Pete did we know that previous no that i just want to call slight story baloney here like it's awfully handy that okay like like here's the writer's meeting right okay somebody needs to fly the plane to go get stark all right how about thompson nope army guy already established you know shot a bunch of japanese uh, with the white flag okay uh how about susa nope uh a he couldn't use the rudder pedals and b army guy lost the leg okay who doesn't have a war record Jarvis, bring magic wand. Jarvis now can fly. Like that's kind of that's kind of the. Again, I'm not calling full baloney. I'm just saying that's kind of. I think the behind the scenes, where out of the blue, Jarvis, in addition to, you know, knowing how to fry an egg and fold handkerchiefs and drive a car, you know, and which forks go where um and be kind of a general bodyguard also can fly a plane
1: it was on the mighty convenient end i'd have a bigger problem with it if it didn't work as well as it did with the tension a couple scenes down the
0: road and not to dip ahead too much but it is jarvis who then says you know essentially follow me back to the airport i'll take you home like he kind of resumed he's the butler of the skies yes um, at the end of that but
1: Yes. But we all know that uh Jarvis would never have passed the airplane vision test.
0: It's all connected, Pete.
1: Carter then corners the doctor and Dottie in the radio room. Um Dottie quickly disarms Peggy and uh some some playful dialogue here. Um and, and really heavy at the same time. You know, isn't this fun? Um, Dottie tells her. Uh, we flashback to uh, Jarvis, who leaves with a full tank and plenty of ammo. He, he admits that though he's flown before, he's never fired a shot. While the doctor is uh, making Howard focus over the radio, and Peggy uh, is able to at least yell into the uh, receiver that this isn't real. Dottie explains during their fight that she was so jealous of women like Peggy, the way they walked, the way they talked. Now she can be anybody she wants. And she's got a baseball bat. I was kind of hoping that might come up in in some context. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe she'll be an SSR agent next. And that she thought Peggy would be better. And then she meets a window
0: and the wing of a plane. Pete, everything in that scene cooks with gas. And it's fantastic. The dialogue out of Dottie, again, they're showing just the the, the broken mirror pathos of this woman who wants companionship uh, from other women. And I'm in no way being kind of suggestive there. Just she's someone who grew up around strong, capable women. And she killed some of them at you know Russian brainwash camp, um, but but all the way back to that little girl sharing bread um, uh, in the morning, somebody who kind of in, in the very little bit that we've known this true character, not you know Dottie from Iowa, um, her 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 yearning for companionship, her yearning to fit in, then this whole thing of being prepared for a different world and then sent to america and so on and so forth it, it's an example of a great actress being given not a ton of dialogue we don't have multiple scenes where it's you know dotty's confession and that kind of thing but we get to know her as a character so intimately with a handful of lines and then there's just this fantastic fight that breaks out um and uh, and as you say, ending with, I'll read verbatim in my notes here, Dottie kicked out of the window, blood on the wing, TV code for she's dead. So talk about setting us up for, for one kind of expectation and a p- different kind of payoff later on.
1: It's funny. I wrote body. I didn't write dead. I wasn't convinced and I was proven right. I do have to take a little bit of an issue there. Matt, if this is a woman who was brainwashed from the time she was a child to become a sleeper agent, when was the period when she was so jealous of the walk and talk of people like Peggy Carter? I found that to be a little disingenuous.
0: Um, Refresh my memory, Pete. When was the young Dottie stuff taking place?
1: In the... uh, In the late
0: 30s. Late 30s. Okay, so late 30s. I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing here. We're already communist Russia. Um, So there's already that kind of difference of, you know, way of life and all of that. She's being brought up with this kind of, there's a certain favorable glimpse of America that she, she needs to know about as part of her brainwashing because she needs to embrace it you know embrace the best things about america um she needs to be really interested in so i think that the, i think that from the, from the fictional america presented to her in in brainwash camp to whenever it is that she hit this shore i'll just guess maybe sometime after uh, after world war ii which i know is only you know a little over a year prior to, to the series but I think in that time kind of quickly acclimating herself and realizing, yes, on the one subconscious level that she can't get away from, um, she's got this mission, but her desire to really fit in and really be liked. And now kind of the, the medical, the metaphorical handcuff is off her. Um, even though she's returning to the literal one, I I think there's just that yearning of, she wants to be free, but doesn't know how to do it. So, um, I think that's kind of what's reflected in her speech.
1: Well, speaking of
0: free, the doctor
1: escaped this scene. Thompson warns Sousa not to let him talk to you. If he talks to you, you're dead. Um, we're left with Peggy again over the radio to a airplane with a man on a suicide mission.
0: Um, I-, I thought that was just an incredibly gutsy moment that the show went yes. there and said we're gonna put her back in this exact same position and all the frustration and loss that she must feel, we're not gonna shy away from it.
1: Yeah, and they were upfront about that. Uh scene definitely works. Meanwhile, um the doctor and Sousa face off with Thompson down um and Sousa slowly crutching towards him. He starts with the old vocus bit. Okay. Wants you to point the gun at Agent Thompson, and then Sousa slugs the doctor
0: and takes out his
1: earplugs. Were you saying something?
0: <laughs> Finally, somebody who's smart enough to realize that this uh, master of the spoken word is maybe somebody that you should uh, that you should not listen to. You know, put in those darned earplugs. It took it took kind of. The least among the agents, at least least in a, in, in a certain definition that, uh, that you know, in terms of how Sousa is viewed within the office and whatnot, um, the least among them has brains enough to figure out, let's just shut this guy up. A nice with, moment. With
1: Peggy tearful over the radio, Jarvis confirms that he has Howard in sight. They are one mile from land. Should he take the shot? Dun, dun,
0: dun. The perfect time for an act break. And after that, Pete, what's the perfect way to start the new act?
1: Seriously, should I take the shot? Miss <laughs> <laughs> Kata. Uh, he doesn't take the shot when, uh, you know, uh, she explains that Howard was the one person that uh, believed in her. Um, though Howard still brainwashed Thinks he can fix this. All he's done his whole life is create destruction. He talks about Project Rebirth, and that uh, Steve was the and Project Re- Rebirth was a one good thing. Um, so they they have this common ground and this connection. Um, and finally, he snaps out of it.
0: There is, of course, the line in there that I couldn't help but think was put in there as uh as at least possible acknowledgement for the fate of the series a series that i'm i'm fairly sure when this was shot probably uh, pardon me when the series when this episode was shot the series was probably had probably not yet premiered but regardless there's a line we have to move on all of us and certainly it'll take an ominous note in the uh in the months ahead as we wait to hear what the fate of the series is and if indeed they're all going to be moving on to other to other projects without the the Peggy Carter story continuing
1: but he can explain it all or he can have it explained all to him once he lands Jarvis stands down <clears throat> and really this scene for me was Peggy telling herself you know um she loves Steve Howard loves Steve uh, in a platonic way and I think in a, in a patriotic way, we know from, uh, you know, young Tony that uh, this is the guy my dad never shut up about, who he's now contemporaries with as an Avenger. Um, but this leads to the other discovery. Peggy heads back out into the hangar and Dottie is gone. So she can be whatever she wants to be now if this story we we pick back up with uh, Dottie's in play
0: <laughs> back on the field. Um, I like so much that they didn't kill Dottie off. This is a show that has been very, very true to kind of the, the realness of reality, not to, not to, you know, kind of put too fine a point on it there. You know, the superhero elements of the MCU, obviously mostly grounded in reality, but, you know what it's just delicious storytelling to have dotty take a fall that would kill any of us to have the the blood going down the the airplane wing Dottie clearly is dead and then just to say nope this is a you know a psycho super killer um a sort of i don't know black widow type if you will um if if we come back she'll come back and if we don't come back she's still out there in your in, in your your hearts and your memories um and, and just a very welcome twist of the story
1: well i think had she stayed there we might have referred to her as spotty
0: <laughs> ah well done pete with that i believe we cut to fenhoff being let out a gag in his mouth um, which certainly gave me a chuckle they very quickly realizing this guy cannot speak again
1: No, you don't want to listen to him. Um, Howard, meanwhile, once he's reunited with uh, Jarvis and, uh, you know, Carter has reminded him that he owes her yet again. He remembers Dottie's cover name. Matt, what was it? Ida. Ida. Yes. Uh, That steel trap of a mind of
0: his. Just a little delayed. Yeah. For the purposes of comedy.
1: The next morning, Carter walks into the SSR. We get the slow clap calls of good work. Um, Thompson greets her. And though she's there bright and early, wants to know if she's going to stay at the SSR. They have her desk and her phone all waiting for her. And then, where's this Jack Thompson? Asks. U.S. Senator Walt Cooper. Here you save the city. The country owes you, boy. Okay, we need more men like you. Well, I was just doing what needed to be done. Hey, the president wants to thank you himself. Yada, yada, yada. They walk off. And Thompson ever out for himself.
0: I know we're not supposed to like Thompson for that. So, mission accomplished. But I don't like that they made Thompson take that route. They, the storytellers. I agree. I
1: agree. He had an opportunity there to deflect it. I understand it's true to the time that he didn't, and it it wouldn't enable Sousa to get all bothered by this. But, you know, the, the larger realization, and, and this, I think, is where feminists need to square how Park, how Peggy accepts this you know she she says I I know my value so does knowing your value not make you need to be recognized for a job well done I don't I don't
0: believe that and Peggy says she doesn't need medals or recognition or opinions okay I get we don't need medals we don't need tokens of of you know good job recognition or opinions um yes you do in this world and that's not even some negative take there you should be recognized for a job well done that's what all equality movements are about be recognized for what you did not who you are i was not i mean look thompson is a bad moment peggy just uh, and and pardon the bit of a metaphor here but peggy just rolling over and taking it tremendously disappointing and i felt like a step backwards and then i'm in my head going i don't know if we have spent too much time thinking about the one shot but not for nothing there's not a huge marvel tv audience so many of us have seen the one shot and there's been this discussion is it before is it after okay fine we got that all cleared out now we're we're essentially resetting Peggy and her place in the office because Thompson says so. You know, I got some choice words for you, Thompson. I'll say once I turn the uh, the microphone off here.
1: <laughs> the end result is that once he has this conversation with um, Peggy, Sousa asks if she wants to go out for a drink. She says another time. She's got to meet a friend.
0: And it's it's nice to see uh, the return of Angie, who I was convinced after her goodbye from the story, goodbye English moment, you know, a mere two episodes ago. Um, it was nice that she came back for one last coda. Um, it's a fun bit of storytelling that it's Peggy and Angie moving into one of Stark's smaller residences pete was that eight bedrooms and six bathrooms
1: it was a quaint mat, six bedrooms eight baths wow and a library
0: that has a decent collection of first editions
1: but it's a bit far from the theater district
0: (laughs) also i mean nice uh nice sound design in that it was echoey also flat out Nice job getting that location. there's no way that that was a set, not with the depth to it um unless it was some sort of green screen, whatever wherever they shot that and it's probably much cheaper and quicker to have just found a big room like that either you know in some in some practical location in los angeles um really nice kind of set selection and and all of that it really sold the size of it um in a a tremendously convincing way.
1: Well, listen, Peggy appreciates the finer things. She just doesn't want to know what happened in and on the finer things.
0: (laughs) A a fun line indeed.
1: Yes. Jarvis reveals that uh, he's going to fill up his time again with projects. I believe there's uh, spices that need to be reorganized. Uh, he also explains that Howard has uh, headed off to destroy the vault, and then the the sentimental nod here, revealing that he has Steve's blood. Peggy takes it. Um, Howard is, of course, under the impression that it was lost. Okay.
0: Um, There's also a reference where Jarvis is. He's essentially uh, it's words to the effect of, "So I'm saying goodbye, mi- goodbye, and who knows who knows when we'll meet again. But if ever you need my assistance, I'm sure we will meet again." Adding momentum to a a hopeful second season. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, but I'll, I'll take that hand of the writer if the hand of the writer is pointing to what we want, which is more.
1: But to give the blood to Peggy, the one person. That we and Jarvis knows
0: knows what to
1: do with it, beautiful montage there on the bridge to someday, and uh you know the the way you look tonight, her dumping that blood into the river
0: kind of uh taking an opportunity to uh to say goodbye, and as you know. As we have the the season wrapping, perhaps the the series wrapping. It's a sad ending, but it's an opportunity for for kind of closure for Peggy to kind of uh, you know finish that journey uh, with Steve in her life, and thus ends the episode. Bittersweet, but then
1: bittersweet. But we got to have a little fun at the end, and we're given a tag where uh, Doctor Finoff is led uh hannibal lecter mask into a darkened cell wait what did you say i can't hear you you gotta (laughs) speak up
0: that was a fun bit of story and then um you know led in there the the requisite you know clang of the door being shut the assumption that he's all alone but pete he's not alone
1: dr zola
0: yeah, I thought that was a, that was a fun that was a fun bit of storytelling there. I know that it um, it had been suggested by you, you know. Are we going to see perhaps the Tommy Lee Jones character return? Are we going to see some sort of stunt casting here? Uh, wondered if maybe we were going to get Steve when the uh, you know when Stark is imagining he's on the ice. But this is a fitting final scene, I think, Pete, because it's kind of propelling us to where we know certain portions of of Zola's story is headed and whatnot. I, I I enjoyed it
1: to get Toby Jones in there and Matt with what we know of operation paperclip heading, you know, into the the fifties and, you know, that era with the, uh, construction of shield and Hydra embedding itself. It works. um, it was a little cheeky, but I'm okay with it. And, you know, coming out of where we were with Peggy, it, it makes sense. And it provides a narrative extension. If we get the opportunity
0: to resume it someday. And if we, and if we don't, it connects to a a point that we're aware of, or at least a fuzzy point of which we're aware. Um, and, In that they can't have a secret scene after, you know, eight minutes of the credits in a movie theater. I thought that it was a fun kind of little, you know, shaking of the the oogity-boogity rattle of, oh, and these bad guys are out there. So, a a fun, if not dark note, with which to end the episode. What, Lunkhead's deserve some time in the joint? Gee whiz, we ended up with one of them literally in the joint. Pete... This list of baddies will tell us just that. Who's first, Doctor Johann Fenoff? That's right, Pete. The the suppositions last week and some of the the articles I read where it was definitive in in the position of the uh, the writer of the article that uh, that our baddie was Doctor Faustus from the comics, uh, confirmed by that name, Johann Fenoff, uh, the uh, the original moniker of Doctor Faustus. The uh, the master of men's minds, and uh, I, I thought just a great use of the character. now that we understood that he was, um, you know, a, a Marvel baddie, it kind of was a was a sneaky way to get in there, and um, uh, just a really fantastic use of um, the character as we knew him, and a, a, as we've learned a bit about the the, the comic book character. Kind of a, a nice uh, appropriation of that character to the MCU,
1: and to hand off. The knowledge that he has to dr zola and to hydra further subverts the ssr and shield as we know heading into what is now a, a collapsed organization
0: absolutely and there's there's this history of this being a captain america baddie so i kind of appreciate you know, from the from the girl power type uh type angle, that um this this baddie who was good enough to fight Cap is now also good enough to fight uh, Peggy Carter, and um just uh well he gets he he gets what's coming to him in the end. I mean, he he ends up in the slammer.
1: How about that, Dottie? Though
0: definitely deserves to be on the lineup. Uh, I'm glad she didn't end up with some time in the joint um because I would love to see more of her and if this is it for the series, then I love that in my heart the adventure continues you know it's kind of not every not every um not every story thread needs to be tied up, particularly where they know they're kind of in this open ended thing it's called network t v this is a weird eight episode creature even within the network tv model so to kind of say the adventure continues even if no more episodes get made i love that to me that's kind of dramatic dramatic um guts there
1: and lastly howard i really like that he fell under the spell here and to create the symmetry that we've had of planes headed to a destination and peggy really powerless on the other end that you know howard despite all his knowledge and all his expertise and his toys without her here he decimates this city
0: and it's a nice bit of um character redirectioning even with the 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 few number of episodes he's been uh, in for the series because we know he ends up more as that Walt Disney type in the, uh, is that the late sixties? Is that when the, 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 that's certainly what it was from. Okay.
1: Mid sixties, I think.
0: Um, And then, you know, we're anticipating more of the character, though not the actor uh, in Ant-Man. So the fact that he becomes more kind of properly paternal um, uh, shows you know, where, where did he learn to to, to to kind of, you know, cool it with the dames and focus on humanity? Um, it's it's this time in his life, and it's some of these interactions with Peggy Carter. So, I, uh, I liked the evolution of him, despite the fact that there, there's some badness in him. Classified Top Secret. Holy mackerel! Time to take a gander with the G-Men. Don't want you to know. And Pete, what's our first secret?
1: Well, not a secret, Matt, but let's talk continuation of Agent Carter. We have eight episodes. Let's be honest from the get-go. The likelihood we're going to get more, if we're going to handicap it, Matt, your odds?
0: I would say if it was any other normal TV situation, I would say... 30% 30% chance of renewal where it's slightly different is it's on ABC owned by Disney. It's produced by ABC studios, a production company owned by Disney, and it is putting to work properties from Marvel bought at great expense by Disney. So is there a little bit of a home field advantage where you say, you know what? We'll renew agents of shield. If it averages a one eight? But, you know what, Peggy, a- a- Agent Carter, you know, less episodes, averaging a one three, a one 4 you know, at a certain budget where a lot of these British actors also, we we, you know, they'll be okay paying them less. Is there a situation where you say, and if ABC will pay ABC Studios to make these, well, the money that the company is going to make with lamp rentals and r- rug rentals and carpenter fees to build the sets doesn't make sense. I don't know. Smart Money says no, but I don't know. That's the one kind of saving grace where you look at the quite low ratings. Any other show, I think they would be dead. There might be some hope here.
1: They are long odds. Where they're going to struggle to do this is that to film a show set in a period is always expensive. While wow. you talked about the home field advantages that they have, that's clearly the biggest thing going against it. Um, Haley Atwell, she's not cheap either. Uh, getting her involved and the opportunities that are going to arise for her, given that she's in both Avengers and Ant Man, um, going to be hard to you know hold her down there, but. Here's where it could work, Matt. Here's what I see. We could go anthology style rather than, you know, your traditional network model. So maybe, just maybe, after she's appeared in these two upcoming movies, a possible second season of Agent Carter could feature her in the 50s or nay, even in the 60s. I believe John Slattery's schedule is going to be free <laughs> post-Madman. Okay. And maybe you... It's ex- Mad Men, Pete. Yeah, Madman. Mad- he is a Madman. Um, you, you explore that early S.H.I.E.L.D. situation there. We're going to see them together in Ant-Man. It would be a logical pairing moving forward. Maybe you're able to bring a Sousa or a Thompson, you know, with some makeup or recast them uh, down the line. Who knows? But it, if you were going to return to it, I think that's the most likely scenario. I don't know, though. I, I think, again, we're we're looking at, you know, this eight episode run, which... If if this is all we get, Matt, I'm fine with it. Would I like more? Sure. I'm greedy, but I very much look forward to my, uh, my Blu-ray of uh, eight episodes of Agent Carter.
0: I think that the anthology take makes sense in a bunch of ways, including we don't need, nay, I don't think we want another season of, oh, gee, Peggy can't tell anybody about the stuff and the thing if you fast forwarded to even the fifties, then it would be minimal makeup to age her. Um, it, it, in fact, you know, maybe next to no makeup. Um, well, she then, will
1: get older between now and a second season. So maybe
0: <laughs> indeed you, that.
1: You, you let nature run its course.
0: Absolutely. Um, but, um, if you did it in the early 50s, then you kind of jump a little bit forward and you also get the benefit of her now being, you know, co-boss of the SSR and so on and so forth. We'll see. I mean, it, it, it's with a heavy heart that we're kind of starting to draw to, to the, uh, you know, the, the last maybe 15 minutes of the podcast here because even though we're coming back uh, in, in a couple days, uh, actually probably in, in a little bit less than a week, we'll come back to kind of do a season one wrap up um I, I would hate if this is it i really would it's been it's been a it's been a great show long distance we want you to flap your lips write a telegram or even send us uh the twitter and pete this first telegram comes from if you can believe it on the other side of the atlantic ocean
1: over the pond as they say matt
0: indeed it is of course from our pal ian knight ian in the uk at zort 70 on twitter zort.co.uk his fabulous website with all those wonderful pop culture designs that he does and pete here's what ian has to say hello hope you are both well things are good in the uk apart from agent carter still not being shown Having said that, I have still managed to find a way to watch and have thoroughly enjoyed the interlude between the two halves of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season. Agent Carter reminds us that the modern techno era uh, we live in has so many surveillance and communications mechanisms. It is nice to go back to that simpler time and remember that not everything can be accomplished by a techno wizard sitting in a plush office or even a coffee shop, pressing a few buttons and controlling the fate of the world. I'm glad they kept things simple and rooted in that time period. While they may not have led to a slightly lower or while that may have led to a slightly slower story pace, it enhanced my overall enjoyment of the journey. You see Pete, I'm having I'm having trouble reading Ian's wonderful uh British English here. It's Anyhow, prose,
1: Matt. It's called it, prose.
0: Absolutely. Ian goes on to say, I've also enjoyed the little nods to the wider MCU that have been scattered around, not just the big ones like Howard Stark and the Howling Commandos. The very subtle inclusion of Anton Vanko was an especially nice touch, and the current plot point of Dr. Ivchenko probably being Dr. Faustus and all the implications that brings for our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All the plot points so far have pointed to SSR being hopelessly unprepared for this to come in the future. And the creation of SHIELD to take the lead seems inevitable. If Agent Carter returns for more seasons, I sincerely hope it th- and I sincerely hope it does, then I would guess that any new story would be after the one-shot, i.e., the early formation of SHIELD. Look forward as always to hearing your thoughts in the final episode and more than ready to rejoin Colson and the team in the lead up to the summer's cinematic offerings. Pete, that of course, the latest from our pal in the UK, Ian. And uh, your thoughts, Pete.
1: Always good to hear from a longtime listener and somebody whose uh, art we have incorporated uh, in our look and our product. So thank you. Ian brings up some great points, you know, the idea of you know, the fast-paced technological society we live in and, and the way that Shield goes a- a- about doing their job. Um, so yeah, much appreciated and uh, thanks again.
0: And Pete, Ian mentions this this sort of Damocles, will Agent Carter return? Just want to amend something that I said last week while about a week from now, certainly before next Tuesday, probably Sunday or Monday, we will be releasing a, a uh, kind of a season one wrap-up episode. Don't know how long it's going to be, but it'll be, you know, kind of our best effort. Um past that we will do at least one more episode when we hear probably in may uh whether agent carter has been uh has been renewed or not uh we'll be back just to update people at that time i'm sure all of you listening would be able to find out uh without us of course without your podcast pals but we want to be with you there hopefully not at the end but at the uh at the beginning of uh of season two so something to look forward uh, to there pete Pete, moving on to a comment left on the website by Tom Sinclair, uh, a great comment to kind of uh, uh, help frame the the season that has been. He says, this series is the best argument for shorter TV seasons. Uh, There are no filler episodes and every frame advances the story. Also, uh, kudos to the writers and Bridget Regan. They took the country mouse comedy stereotype and used it to conceal an utterly terrifying axe crazy assassin. Dottie is made of nightmare fuel. So, Pete, will you be, will you wake up in a week or two when, when we're, you know, we're, we're doing without Agent Carter for a time. And will you uh, all of a sudden wake up just screaming, Dottie?
1: Um I will and then I will notice that I am comfortably handcuffed to my bed and drift back to sleep. Uh where I uh dream of cartoons with some little messages.
0: Way to go, Pete. Now there's gonna be Pete fanfic out there.
1: <laughs> what do you mean now there's gonna be? <laughs> I'll, uh I'll send you some when we're done.
0: Oh my. How about don't? <laughs> yeah. How about Pete? scent? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, Pete, <laughs> let's return to a slightly more positive note. Do we have any reviews?
1: We do. Uh, we have received quite a few reviews here at the 11th hour. Prior to our giveaway for this month, Pete, it's
0: the eighth hour. It's the eighth episode of 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 Agent Carter.
1: Yeah, but that's a metaphor. I know you understand. Um, So the first of which was uh, received on February eighteenth. This is from Aztec Will, and the headline is "Fabulous" with a ph, five stars, and it reads: Matt and Pete have not missed a beat with the Agent Carter podcast. Fantastic, again, with the PH. Summaries of each episode and insightful theories on the show's direction and secrets. Pete gives you just enough to not spoil anything, and the fact they put out the podcast the same night it airs is awesome. Great job, guys. Can't wait to hear more once AOS, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, resumes, and of course, daredevil thank you will
0: absolutely will so nice to hear and you know it's been quite a stretch these last eight weeks getting the podcast out right on time and pete the good news is we only have 12 more weeks to go
1: it's all good man <laughs> our next review was left on february 19th by fan of shield the headline is good old fashion fun and there are four stars out of five and it reads matt and pete are back In time. This time in the 40s. That's right. While we wait for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to return and for Daredevil, Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man, these guys don't rest until we get the podcast on late Tuesday night. Though most of us listen Wednesday morning on the way to school slash work, most likely. The content is just as deep as it has been for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although I miss the weekly mailbag session from AOS Season 1. It is a nice touch to call it a the radio program in the opening instead of podcast, as well as the classic, although cheesy, music, and the analog names of modern conveniences to make it more like the era it's set in. Can't wait to see what's done with Daredevil.
0: Uh, So nice to hear. By the way, I I do want to take I want to take mild exception with one thing. Cheesy music. Sometime, Pete, when we have more time and the hour is not growing late, uh, perhaps in the summer, if we do some sort of history of the podcast type podcast. But this music is uh, the the music for both the intro and outro is uh, a, a tune called Cottontail um which uh has has great uh personal significance to me and uh and whatnot a story i'll tell some other time but it's a jazz tune that means a lot to me and uh you know duke ellington it's got a a tenor sax solo in there and uh one man's cheesy is another man's uh milestone in his life
1: listen you you don't need to sell it to me our next review was also left on February 19th. Uh, it is headlined Great Podcast as Always, five stars. And uh, the author is Wolfgirl15. And she writes I'm a frequent listener of Matt and Pete's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast and was super excited to listen to their Agent Carter podcast. They do a fantastic, spelled, of course, with a P.H. See what I did there, she writes, job at breaking down each episode and laying it out for the listeners. I highly recommend this wonderful podcast for both agent Carter and agents of shield.
0: Wow. Very, very nice. Thank you. Wolf girl for all the, uh, all the kind words. It's been great having, uh, having listeners of the shield podcast, join us over here with agent Carter. And we hope vice versa because, uh, we're, we're so touched that, that, uh, the agent Carter, uh, podcast numbers have been as strong as they have been. We hope that uh, a lot of you follow us back to uh, to Agents of Shield next week.
1: Definitely. Uh next review was left February 23rd by D B D O M, so the Bum, I guess. The
0: bomb, like the <laughs> bomb. It's like a, it's clearly a Mario reference.
1: It is. Uh the headline is the podcast Agent Carter deserves five stars. And it reads, this is a fantastic, spelled with an F, podcast. What I really love is the attention to visual and thematic detail these two guys have. They catch lots of little things that may fly by me on first viewing, but add to the overall feel of the show. Those details are what make Agent Carter so great. The fact that the reviewers go into the acting or directing choices has made me go back and rewatch the episodes. Excellent work, uh, both from the reviewers and the creators of agent Carter.
0: Ah, that's so kind to hear. By the way, Pete, one thing we didn't mention earlier in the podcast, interesting, uh, directorial flourish when they had Spider-Man suddenly appear. What was up with that? hope people caught that. Anyway,
1: (laughs) Next review was on February 23rd as well by Jamie B513. The headline is Awesome Podcast, Five Stars. And it reads Matt and Pete do a great job with all their podcasts. Uh, they stay on topic and give the listener the perfect amount of extra information that they want from a podcast. Best Marvel podcast out there, hands down.
0: Wow. Kind, kind words. Glad that we stay on topic. You know, Pete, that reminds me one time when we were podcasting Alcatraz. And oh, anyway. Yeah. See, see, I got off topic there. It's being self referential.
1: Yeah. So, Matt, I have a bunch of names here in a little baggie that are all vying for our second giveaway of the year anyone who left an itunes review for either our agent carter podcast or our upcoming daredevil podcast um so i'd like to thank everybody who participated there and uh let's pick the winner of the howard the duck uh funko pop vinyl bobblehead here Ooh, exciting All righty. And we have a winner in my hands here. That is of course, Aztec will. So Aztec will thank you very much. Thank you everybody for, uh, you know, uh, giving us your thoughts and helping others find us. Aztec will, if you could please get in touch with me either via Twitter or on the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek.
0: Exciting times. Another uh, another, another winner crowned and uh, a fitting end for, uh, for our little Agent Carter run here with that, Pete. You're practically a person of Glitterati fame. How can people be in touch with you if not through Facebook?
1: Well, Aztec Will and everybody else, you can find me on uh, the Twitter. uh, 5,254 followers can't be wrong. At Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R,
0: J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. While I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the radio program always by being in touch with Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. There's plenty of ways to do so. You can send an electronic letter to, a letter to us on the Gmail, post a note on the dot .com, or tweet us your telegraphs on the Twitter. And indeed, we welcome people to just kind of share some uh, Season 1 thoughts, um, particularly by uh, via email. Uh, maybe do that before Friday, because we might... Uh, or by this Friday, uh, which Pete comes with the date of... Because I'm not good with math. Um, if you want to get those those thoughts about the season as a whole uh, to us, maybe by the evening of Friday, February 27th. Because um, we might record our wrap-up episode a couple days early. Um, that would be fantastic. And indeed, we are fantastic, fantastic geek. Because that's the way to go. With that, Pete, for the penultimate time on the Agent Carter radio program, at least for the season... I'll say goodbye, good night, and good luck. One and all, Pete, with what wacky words will you close tonight?
1: I'll be the bait.